guys. This is Kled and Hannah back again with that piping hot tea. Um, ready to sit down and talk with you or, yeah, talk with you or walk with you um, with this week's episode of um, just acknowledging the climate that we are at and acknowledging the injustices that we are um, seeing unfold and have been happening for hundreds of years, finally coming into the light. Um, this episode is about, um, it's not lecturing or anything, but a posture of listening and shedding some hope and light. Um, and we really want to um, enter into the space of talking about the movement of Black Lives Matter and talking about the hope of what racial reconciliation looks like. And the notion that maybe 2020 isn't actually canceled. Maybe this is the year that was meant to happen. This is the year that was meant to be the pivotal change or crux of century and where we can enter in into a better and more hopeful um, space in living and community and life. But yeah. So I think it's really important to um, address before we go any further in our podcast, just that Claude and I um, by no means are experts on this subject, by no means are even experts at like engaging in racial reconciliation. That's something that we both value and we both are committed to, but that does not mean that we are perfect and without fault and without even contributing to some of the injustices and having our own bias um, that we've entered into, whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, so yeah, just think that's really important to us that like, this isn't a lecture, but this is just like our own processing in it and like how we're coming to terms with like, what really our role is as people that like really are seeking to love and seeking to find Jesus and seeking to commit to the reconciliation and the hard work um, and where we stand in that. So with all of that in mind, I think we can all say that 2020 has been a year that has looked very different than expected. Um, and it's been super easy to say that like 2020 has canceled that like 2020 can go away and never come back. Um, <laughs> and let's skip to 2021. However, also 2020 is really a pivotal year and stuff. So there's a poem that's been circ circulating on social media that I wanted to read. Um, that has really been, a, I think, an influence to reframing my perspective in these hardships of not moving past, but moving through um, and what that's going to look like. Because I think in history, my hope is that we'll have a very distinct change that we can see from pre-2020 to post-2020. So with that being said, we didn't write this poem, but it goes, what if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw, that it finally forces us to grow. Mm -hmm. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change. Declare change. Work for change. Become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 
2020 isn't canceled, but rather the most important year of them all. And the poem was by Leslie Dwight. Mm. So, Clyde, do you have any initial reactions to the poem? Yeah, so this has been actually something... um, The first time I saw this and read this, um, I have been really, like, challenged. And also, like, my framework of 2020 has been radically changed. And I think um, it's so crazy that it came in such a, a... a weird number too. It's such a, uh, I just think about the 1920s and how that was such a pivotal time and that there's so much change. And um, it was a, it was a time of revolution. And I think with this poem, it just also reminds me that we are in a season of change. And finally, because we are so, I think we are so complacent at times and we have a hard time stepping into the harder things. And sadly, it it has to take some sort of push into the direction of sitting in the hardness and sitting in the uncomfortable and the painful and acknowledging the injustices and oppression that um, we've finally been pushed into it. And people who have been ignoring it and people who have been running away from it are finally have no choice but to face the hard reality of how broken we are as human beings and how broken this world has been. And I think this year is a beginning and could be even the catalyst to bigger and better changes that's to come in the future. Um, I always think about the notion that the life that we're living right now shouldn't always be focused in the generation that we're living in, but should always look towards the next future generations. And that I think is like my hope when I read this poem is that 2020 is finally the time where we can all stand up who, who 22 recent college graduates um, who have spend four or five years of their life learning about life and learning about their specific studies and learning about injustices and more about history and finally coming to a point where they're about to enter society. And I think it's so cool to be part of this generation to think about this is the time where we are so readily more invited to step in into a change not only for ourselves, but for the future generation, so that they don't have to experience these things. So that when, you know, when we are parents of our own and when we have children, we don't have to tell our children that they have to be scared of systematic injustices. Hopefully, this is the start where we can push into spaces where real change is going to happen. How about you, Hannah? How has this poem um, impacted you in this season? Um, so I like what you said about um, how we're seeing things that are coming to light that have really been there all along. And I think both with COVID and the Black Lives Matter, a lot of like 
I guess changes for changes in response to COVID and then maybe requests, um, needs or like demands or response to Black Lives Matter are a lot of things that I'm like hearing these changes and I'm like, but these are changes that like should have been the status quo before and stuff. Like so many responses I've noticed um, are really things that I think like were vital and needed in our society. And it's like not a shock to me that we see that like when you have like injustices and stuff that like I mean can they I feel like they cannot carry on for so long before bursting and stuff before like in this like pressure cooker and stuff before like things like can come to rise um so yeah I don't know if that's really like the best way to explain it but I think something that all together with 2020 that I've been like challenged by is like how to really like grow in empathy and grow in first time really like everyone's experiencing something like no matter where you are in the globe and I think that's like super fascinating right now to look at the Black Lives Matter protest because this is like the largest um like protest I guess and not and like related to civil justice and stuff that's happened like across the globe and stuff that isn't just confined to like one or two countries and stuff but that like protests about Black Lives Matter are now like occurring on multiple like countries mm-hmm. and multiple continents um which I think is like also so unifying and so healing in a way that's like when is the last time like the world has come together to also for the same thing um and it's I don't know it's kind of like a heartbreaking reality to realize that like it really hasn't mm-hmm. um so my hope with a lot of 2020 is that we realize kind of like our own selfishness and our own viewpoint that a lot of our actions that we're taking really are directly correlated to how we're impacted but right now we're really seeing really how interconnected we are how we've always been so interconnected um and with that we have a lot of say over our own life but that say (laughs) like a privilege that affects other people Mm -hmm. um so I think a lot of privileges are really being called out into attention now that like I said have always been there um but something that people really were like blindsided by or really just pushed past if they were aware of um so yeah in response to the poem I see a lot of this like I don't really want to come out of quarantine looking the same way like I don't really want us to experience the awakening um, of a lot of pursuits and then still revert back to mm-hmm. the way the goal. Um, the goal is not to forget these things, but the goal is to move like through and not past. Mm. Yeah. So what like, so I talk a about like empathy. So what would empathy look like to you, Glenn, especially right now? Hannah, can you, can you repeat that again? Yeah, so I talked a lot about, like, empathy um, being, like, a theme for 2020, I think, as, like, a catalyst um, for awakening and a catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. So what does empathy look like to you right now? Yeah. I think, for me, being um, an Asian immigrant, I think empathy looks like is to stand in solidarity and listen um, and also checking my own privileges. Yes, I'm part of the minority, 
but that doesn't mean that I don't, that doesn't come with privileges. Um, the notion of model minority is this idea that Asians are kind of like the best kind of minority because we are seen to be people who always give, um, who always bring, gives back to society, are always so successful and always blah, 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 blah. And that is actually in its own ways perpetuating the oppression of black and brown bodies because they're always being compared to say like why can't you be more like them why can't you why can't you just be more successful or why can't you be more obedient and that is like just being part of that and not speaking up on that is part of the ways in which I've been partaking in my own privilege and um the ways I have been participating and perpetuating oppression without myself knowing that I'm doing. And I think a lot, in my own community, a lot of us don't realize that until somebody voices out and speaks out of it. And for me, empathy looks like is to educate and to speak and to have and to step into conversations with family members who, who don't understand this or who, um, who don't really believe in it. And um, I think it's really important to, to understand and check our own privileges and to say that, yes, we've been through hard things. And um, I think I'd like to mention that, like, saying that Black Lives Matter doesn't say that all lives don't matter. And mm-hmm. I want to make it clear that the reason why they're saying this is because we have been turning a bl- turning a blind eye on this situation and people believe that all lives matter but obviously with all that's been happening we haven't been taking their lives that that much more of important and so that's why we're using this movement hashtag or um, name is because there needs to be more attention on it so this is to say that it's not to it's not to say that your their your hardships don't matter that your pain doesn't matter or your your suffering isn't valid but this is to say that we all need to stand up together as a community and walk in solidarity and amplify the voices of our african american brothers and sisters and really make everybody hear that before anybody else truly matters is we can't forget that one part of our body, one part of our family matters too. And so I think the empathy right now for me looks like really standing up and not keeping my voice to myself and taking the first steps of courage to say that that's not right. And to say that I don't think that's what Jesus would say. And I don't think that's Jesus' heart at all. And to really listen, to educate myself, and um, to not be stuck in the ways of complacency that I often Mm -hmm. find myself in. Um, Hannah, how does um, empathy look like for you right now? Um, I think this is... Gosh, I like don't even know how to have the problem.
Anna, can you repeat that? Yeah, I think it's been so interesting. Seeing how there's different different lanes and different really ways to show our presence, to show advocacy, show affirmation, show support, show that like, like you recognize privilege and are like willing to do to do something about that. Um but I've also really been enlightened recently at how like yes, like I in a lot of ways um can exercise my privilege and stuff to amplify other voices or to really bring other people alongside or open up other conversations. But right now I feel very compelled that now is my time to listen. Now is my time to really take a step back and listen and learn. And that's just really like where I'm at in my journey of racial reconciliation is that like, I feel like I'm listening. Like I feel like that is really where I'm sitting in. And that's what like the good work that I'm seeing value in, I guess. Comfortableness mm-hmm. that is only going to lead to so much more abundance is in listening and stuff. So yeah, I think that's where like I'm holding a lot of my empathy is just like, can I even like just understand can I even like fathom and stuff um so that I can better learn how to walk alongside how to support how to show up um because that's something that I think that like quarantine is a unique season that like we actually have a big amount of time to just employ our resources to educate ourselves um with books and podcasts um and TED talks and movies and stuff like that um which are amazing resources, but we also have to learn how to engage alongside because I can learn all the facts and statistics, but it's not really about me as a white person lecturing to other people about what it's like to be a black person. Like that is just like not my, not my place and stuff. Um, but those things like aren't mutually exclusive. I need to learn how to look like also engage in the greater community and stuff and learn how to like engage alongside the black community and stuff and how like this more fuller picture of Christ's kingdom can be displayed in like my community mm-hmm. um in ways that like I really have been <laughs> contributing to that limitations mm. what about you Claude? do you have any more um, I guess feedback as into like what the what good right now. Yeah, so what the good work looks like for me right now. I think gosh, um it it has always been and I think will always be a dream of mine to really participate in racial reconciliation. Um and so in this moment of time, I think is the perfect time for me to really dive deep, deeper into like more conversations. And at least for me, I think I, I so agree with you, Hannah, that it's not just you, you just educate and learn, um, but it's also engaging. It's a both end situation where you need to educate and you need to know the history and you need to learn, but also you've, if you you can't all just have all that information in your head, you have to live it out. Mm -hmm. And it's not a, 
it's not a maybe live it out, but you have to live it out. Um, see, like, change and justice doesn't stop and end in reading a book or reading an article or watching a movie. It actually definitely barely begins there, but it starts in talking to someone. It starts in engaging with community who don't necessarily believe in what you've been learning. It's It starts with changing your circles, befriending people who don't look like you, befriending people who don't have the same socioeconomic position as you, who don't speak the same language of you as you, who doesn't, who's just different from you. And that I think is the spaces where we can enter in into the good work, of not just after this. See, my biggest fear is, is that people will think that this will remain just a hashtag or a trend, but that, that's not the uh-huh. hope. That's not what the movement is about. The movement is the hope that we need to change the culture that we're living in right now. That this culture of police brutality and oppression and systematic racial, racial um, institutions that has been placed, that has been stitched into the fabric of the society needs to change. And that's the culture that is malleable and changeable if we are willing to all stand up together and to walk in it in ways that Mm. are listening, are respectful, um, are not demeaning towards each other. And yes, it may seem naive and yes, it may seem idealistic, but things need to stop. The cycle of violence needs to stop. And we don't need another person to pass away, to be murdered, for change to happen. We can, we can prevent it uh-huh. by engaging. You just need to talk to other people and you need to listen. Um, I'm always reminded of Exodus um, just because of the power mm. of it, of just how God, how God goes up to Moses and says, Moses, I'm hearing my people's cry. And that's not okay. And so God sends Moses to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. I hope that our hearts aren't continued to be hardened like Pharaoh, but our hearts Uh. are softened and that we engage into this hard conversations with softened hearts and listening hearts and empathy change won't happen by by just watching a movie or reading a book Uh it's it starts but that's not where the movement should end it it's not uh this should not be Uh like those when you go to summer camp where um this is the mountaintop experience that when we get down and descend from the mountain we re- return back to the complacent lives that we live in. That's not how this should be. We must take the fire that we have enlightened on the on the mountain and take it into our everyday lives. Only then, I think, truly, will we begin to walk. Will we begin to walk into racial reconciliation? Um. 
yeah. Uh, I think something I want to add to that, um, that Colin and I were talking about earlier was just that sometimes like in watching, um, any sort of educational material on this topic, like a response that is so, so natural, um, and like should be elicited is anger and stuff. And I think that is completely valid. And I think that is a step also in empathy. However, I think like me experiencing anger isn't really the goal and stuff because also my anger comes with so much privilege that I like don't have to bear the weight of also feeling that victimization, you know, like I'm anger angry from the response that I feel from it, that like uncomfortableness and from the limited empathy that like I can feel Mm -hmm. (laughs) and stuff. Um, But it's really like my response to my anger that matters is like what am I gonna do with my anger like is my anger going to stir change in me is my anger gonna stir me um to really start some conversations or stir me to really like make adaptation adaptations and changes in like the habits I'm making um and stuff so I think that's like really important too is that um something that I've been really asking myself and I can I cannot fully answer and I'm just maybe have been looking as to what the answer really is is like really like what is it that the black community is asking from me right now and stuff Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times they're on social media I feel like I'm not being asked to say that I am like an anti-racist I'm being asked to prove it like I'm just being asked to show up Mm -hmm. and stuff and I'm being asked to listen um so that's something that I think like, I have to add my <laughs> preface towards the end of this podcast that, like, I'm sorry that, like, I don't really have the full words to articulate, like, how I feel or how I am or what the next step is because I'm still in that, like, grittiness of trying to experience, like, what kind of, like, in experience in a bafflement of, like, really how far broken we are and like this world is and how much injustice has really hurt and damaged and Mm -hmm. stuff and what needs to come next and stuff and that's like uncomfortable but I have to learn how to like sit in uncomfortable things um because I'm realizing that that's even a privilege to be able to sit in uncomfortable things for however long I want to sit in uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. Like that, that in myself, like that sentence in itself is so baffling to me too. Um, so yeah, all that to say that is just like such like an awakening, but it's also just like such a journey. Yeah. Um, the- um, so I just think that 2020 is a year and it's a year that it's really hard, but it's also a year about change, but so is 2021 and all the years after that. So I hope that this is also a season of us learning how to like engage the muscle that we're going to engage in our whole lives. Um, yeah. Anyways, says um the last thing I just thought of um that I really want to contribute is that something that I keep thinking about um is like the verse in Romans that says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and I think that's something that mourn with those who mourn um 
has really recited over me because I'm like, even if my privilege like exempts me from what I think is not being a victim to the injustices towards the black community and stuff like they are my brothers and sisters and they are in God's kingdom and they are in the picture of God's creation and humanity that like I should mourn with those who mourn and I do and I I I exercise my empathy in that way but I also realize like that is also a loss to me that like God's beloved is also not treated in the way God's beloved should be treated in a way that I also do not experience reaping, I guess, the fruits of us all living in the way that God's creation was made to live mm-hmm. and stuff. So I also just want to throw that in. Um, so with all these in mind and like my encouragement for people to exercise their empathy and do their good work and however that looks like to them, um, in challenging good work, I don't know. I want to say, like, please make it outside of your comfort zone. Like, please be challenged by it. Please mm-hmm. sit in that uncomfortableness. Um, but please also, like, do, I guess, that inventory and use your voice in the ways you prayerfully, like, through prayer, believe that you should use them. Because, yeah, I just have been very, like, I guess, confused sometimes that, like, I don't, I would rather, like, yeah, listen right now in this season then and to, yeah, scream words that I'm still learning how to say myself. So with all that, Cled, what are some great like tools and ways to do like good work in this season? Yeah, um, I think something that I've been noticing is that to people who actually want to start the good work, um, they're a little bit struggling because there's so much information right now in social media and there's so much reposting that's happening, which Mm -hmm. is good in itself, but also a little bit harmful in ways that people are overloaded with information that they'll tend to shy away because it's, there's so much, they don't even know where to start. And so we hope that a Mm -hmm. good starting place that I think, um, can be like a catalyst to this, um, journey of, walking in the hard and good work is watching the film um, Just Mercy. Um, I think that is such a good film that will really open your eyes to just the incarceration of African-American communities and the injustice Mm -hmm. in that. Um, And also watching um, The Hate You Give. I think that movie um, sheds light into the horrendous and disgusting ways of police police brutality. Um, and um, the 13th, um, that's on Netflix. Um, I think that's also a good place to start. But Just Mercy is out on all streaming devices that you can probably find for free. So I really recommend that you participate and watch that film. Um, as for books, if you are a Christian and you believe in Christ's um, death, suffering, and resurrection, um, I highly, highly recommend that you read Jesus and the Lynching Tree by James Cone. This will change your heart and change your minds in the ways that we need to perceive Christ. 
and I think could be a, a sweet and pivotal place of um, reconciliation and awakening of who Christ truly is. Um, and I think uh, another book that is really impactful is the I Am Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. Um, that one is just also a good place to start and also not a very long book if that's what you're afraid of. Um, and of course, reading the Just Mercy um, book is very, very much recommended. But this is just to say, these are tools that you can probably find online. And we're just reiterating the tools because we think that um, it's hard to just sift through the so much many information that's being given out. But I would like to encourage you and say, like, this is the time for you to not step down. I hope that you don't um, close your ears because things are getting so much. I hope that you continue to sift through all the hard things and stay there. And um, gosh, really engage in the hard and good work that needs to happen. Um, and with that, Hannah, do you have any closing hopes into what may, you know, in the, in the season that we are in? Um, yeah, I think I have such, such a hope, um, of really what this rekindling of life can look like over the next couple months, um, and next couple years. Um, and something that my hope is really that all of us can learn how to sit in uncomfortableness. Um, and something that I also realize is the more that I, have, I guess, the courage um, and allow myself to reside in, like, uncomfortableness, um, the easier it is to flex that muscle of also calling out injustices and racism and discrimination that I witness and stuff of whether that's by, like, friends, family, or the community around me, that, like, I have the courage and that, like, uncomfortableness that, like, I still... <laughs> without doubt recognizes like a privilege that I have like that choice in. Um, but I also think like this is just the continual like engagement of a muscle. Um, and I think when you call out those injustices, that's where a lot of the change really happens and stuff. And a lot of it happens in the relation, like the relationships that we have closest to us where like there is trust, there is love, there is, um, an impact and stuff. I just keep thinking about like the plethora of amazing resources on social media, but how easily I also know people that are just tuned out of social media right now because we know how to walk away from things we don't want to be with um, and don't want to recognize. Um, but yeah, but it's a lot harder to walk away from the people that are to our left or right. So that is really my hope is that we become more intentional people, that we listen before we speak. Um, and when we speak and when we act and when we vote and when we purchase and when we read, we really look for a greater scope and a greater glimpse um, to learn really more that's outside of ourselves.
and stuff um and really how much value we see in not only recognizing like injustices but also recognizing the absence and the mourning of what our community like does not experience because there are injustices mm-hmm. and stuff and i i keep thinking about um one more thing i know i keep adding on um but i just read this interesting piece that i was very um felt convicted uh just like compelled by was how not I guess how much as white <laughs> as a white Caucasian individual to not be afraid of the word racism because it is a fact and it is inevitable that I um like contribute to racism and that I have yeah that I have engaged in that but it's a matter of like it's like a spectrum like racism is a spectrum and it's like really how much am I like engaging to work against the racism that is so embedded in structure and society and in beliefs and even in toxic theology Mm. that I am willing to work against it so if I am so afraid of the word racism I will never never touch those injustices but if I can have that courage and that uncomfortability to like engage with that I can come to terms with like what I have done that has been wrong and what's the good work that I have to do to go counterintuitively against that especially Mm -hmm. when so many things are so embedded deep into education and upbringing anyways I know that was like a long haul but (laughs) that's tied into like my vision and stuff um and just yeah like a hope for a more unified body of yeah God's beloved Mm. so 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 good um and I love how you ended it with um a unified body of God's beloved, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s hope and mission um, in his work of racial reconciliation and, um, and yeah, um, is that the beloved community, that's what he calls um, the kingdom of God, is this beloved community um, coming together. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I, I think that that's my hope is that we can enter into this beloved community and listen and um, to hopefully step into spaces where we don't respond with shame, but we respond mm-hmm. with love and understanding and humbleness Um that we walk through that in humble um, because nothing will get solved if our prides take over. <laughs> and yes. this is the time to lay down all of our pride and to come together truly. And so we, um, since, this, since this is such a important and pivotal season and beginning of a great revolution that I hope continues um, for generations is we would love to end it with a, a prayer and end it with the word of asking God to intervene because we have failed as humans and we are so broken and we need help, honestly. We need lots of help. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so we would love to invite you to sit in this prayer with us. If you close your eyes or look into the sky or look at some beautiful flowers or the ocean or something <laughs> um, as we enter into conversation with God. Dear, gracious, merciful, loving, sovereign, and sweet God, we thank you for the opportunity to just come to your throne and just raise these petitions of anguish, of suffering, of hurt. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to engage in these hard conversations. God, I pray that you would intervene and that as we know, you've heard the cries and the, the pain and suffering that our African-American community and brothers and sisters have been feeling for hundreds of years. And we pray that you would soften the hearts of the people in this nation and in this world. That this movement does not stop here, but would go on until justice is seen. We pray for resilience for the people who are fighting and for the people who are protesting. We pray for safety. And I know in the midst this movement and revolution, the backdrop, the backdrop of COVID is still happening. So we pray for miracles and healing and that this um, virus will be gone. This is our humble prayer asking you to have mercy on your children because we have so obviously failed into recognizing the oppression and suffering of, the, of those whom we love. And God, I just pray that you continue to appear and walk with us in these moments of hardness and that you would continue to give us grace and wisdom and strength to keep going because this fight is far from over. And we pray that you continue to provide the wisdom that we need so that when we enact the privileges that we do have, we enact it towards the places of change and reconciliation. And that pray, and we pray that people will know that for change to really happen, for change to really happen is to start with engaging. And it starts with continuing this and entering into this entanglement with other people. Lord, you're so good. You're so loving. And I pray that we enact and walk in the ways that you love and that we would take that love and live that out in our days. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity to engage in this hard and good work. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, Amen. that's this week's episode. We thank you for tuning in, tuning in, and we hope that you tune in next time with us. So, that's Flood and Hannah. This and is Hannah. This is the tea. Bye. Bye.